Hey, you're back with us on the Mother Box on Mother Box. I'll never get this right. The New Gods Jack Derby podcast, where we explore the fourth world and um, the original material from the king himself, Jack Kirby, talking today about New Gods number five and Forever uh, Forever People number five, and then a little bit more about the background, um, life work, um, knowledge of uh, the king himself, Jack Kirby. I'm Paul Lai, and I'm joined by by Matt Loon. How you doing, Matt? Matt, I'm I'm good, Paul. Thank you very much for. Um for introducing the episode uh, in your mm-hmm. usual style. I um I would have loved to have volunteered but I've got a bit of a cold today. So um apologies <laughs> if I uh, if my beautiful beautiful voice that you're uh, you're used to listening to is a little bit marred by infection but um but I promise I'm still I'm still kicking and I'm still excited to uh, to talk about these issues with you. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me pull a Stanley and just call you mellifluous Matt is uh, not 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think even eighty uh, percent of, of mellifluous Matt still is is you know his A game. So we appreciate that you're that well, you're I'll, able I'll, to. Come. I'll try. I'll try a solid B plus anyway. That will uh, <laughs> a B plus game. I think that'd be quite good. Uh, well, um, I, I'm always a B plus at best. So uh, let's let's dive into what we're going to talk about today, Matt. So we had um, talked in the last episode about breaking things up a little bit, slowing down our read through of the issues, and so rather than the four issues that come next. In the sequence, we thought today we'd tackle New Gods number five and Forever People number five, as I mentioned. We're going to hold off on the next issue of Jimmy Olsen and on the next issue of Mr. Miracle until next episode. So listeners, just uh, there's a little chance for you to catch up as well. And I think the plan is that next week we'll also, I mean, uh, two weeks from now, when our next episode comes out, we'll also tackle um, the the now completed uh, run of the 12 issue uh, Mr. Miracle series from Tom King and Mitch Jarrods that DC's you know recently been publishing, and we'll kind of talk about that in relation to our read through of the original Mr. Miracle. Um, so I hope that sounds good to y'all. Is is that the plan, Matt? Yeah, that sounds great. I think I like the idea of us um, slowing down a touch or taking the foot off the pedal a little bit, just because mm-hmm. um, I feel as though in the the time we allocate to to each of these episodes um, is you know roughly an hour, and it's also a time that we are you know unfortunately a bit more beholden to than uh, than we would like to be but just because of kind of scheduling and and the busy lives of both of us mm-hmm. um but um there's so much there is so much to talk about there is so much to pick apart with with jack kirby it seems a bit um it seems a bit counterintuitive to kind of to race through it as as, as fast as we have been uh, as have been doing uh, yeah. so i hope you'll indulge us i hope you'll happy to let us indulge in a little bit of um a little bit of uh, extra material and um, talking you know around and about more about kirby which was kind of what we wanted wanted to do in the first place yeah. really which mm-hmm. was expand on uh, the things that are outside the pages um, mm-hmm. and just talk a little bit about Kirby um, and a way a good way of doing that was um, the um, lecture uh, that was pointed uh, in our direction uh, by uh, James Murphy and the um, the number one fan of, of Motherbox. I have to uh, I'm, I'm going to put that out there there and, uh, and give him the <laughs> official title now um he uh, we mentioned on the last episode he pointed us in the direction of a few um awesome articles and um and youtube videos and uh, and things to look at and one of those we've um decided to focus in on on this episode which is the um arlen schumer lecture on the uh, the centennial of jack kirby's uh, career and his life um and um, that's on youtube uh, it's it's free to watch so uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well and um it's uh, an amazing um it's 
just just over two hours it's two hours 15 uh, two hours mm-hmm. 17 minutes i think and um it goes all through kirby's career um from the early days um to kind of pre you know pre-marvel comics timely comics all the way through to um the end of his career and his death and um it's uh, it's fascinating it's a fascinating uh, youtube video to um to kind of sit mm-hmm. down and, and mm-hmm. dive into um, if you're not familiar with Kirby, or if you're not as familiar with his work outside of, you know, a certain piece of his of his um, oeuvre, which such as Fantastic Four, or in our case, you know, the Fourth World, it's um, it dives into those, but it also expands around and about as well. Um, mm-hmm. What did you? What was your thoughts on the, on watching that video? Oh, I loved it. I mean, it um, you know it matched what I have read in in all the sort of Kirby biographies and the sort of you know Kirby extra material we've talked a little bit about. That there's um, entire periodicals devoted to his work, his life, um, and and really the genius of of this man. And you know, uh, I guess maybe worth mentioning as well. This is uh, this was filmed just last fall, um, about uh, a little. Less than a year ago, on November twelfth, twenty seventeen, at the Palm Springs Comic Con, filmed by Aaron Nabus of uh, Hall H, and we'll link to it, of course, in the show notes. And it's a, it's two hours, uh, two hours plus of lecture, but it was not boring at all. Um, no, and no. you know, he he's it's it's coupled by a slideshow, so you really get the sort of um, historical context, also you know, visual analysis, uh, tons of examples, and so it's an excellent lecture. Um, Arlen Schumer is a you know comic book historian, artist himself, and th- there's a bit of a, 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 a sort of slant uh, sometimes, you know, especially later in the lecture. It um, in some points I think devolves into much more um, uh, I don't know um, opinion <laughs> uh, diatribe <laughs> about um, about Kirby, but I and and sort of anti Stanley uh, uh, pro Kirby, as James mentioned in his uh, his his messages to us. Um, but nonetheless, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I felt like there was a passion that that diatribe came out of, a, a passion and reclamation um, project of uh, of Kirby's actual significance as not only um, you know a, a significant comic book creator and artist, but really a, a f- flat out significant artist. Period. You know, mm-hmm. and a, a cultural. Um, creative pr- person that I think we we ought to be um, holding into in much higher esteem than we do in our culture, and whose family deserves to be, you know, taken care of and and compensated um, for that for that brilliant work, much yeah. more than it is. Um, but yeah, no, I just I loved the sort of one shot um, review of his 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 history, those aspects of his biography that seem to have filtered their way into his work, his influences. Um, pop culture and movie posters and and uh, you know things that were part of the public consciousness at the time and how it, it makes its way into his um, or his and Stan's uh, Marvel creations as well as in this this fourth world stuff that we're looking at. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I I found it totally fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if um, if you listeners are, uh, are listening to us and uh, are enjoying our conversations, then you'll absolutely mm-hmm. find it fascinating as well, really. Um, it's, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It kind of takes what we're looking at. We're looking at um, an, an aspect of Kirby's work uh, in kind of microcosm, whereas um, Arlen's lecture looks at the whole mm-hmm. and looks mm-hmm. at the influence of Kirby on the grander sca- stage. Yeah. And it's something that we definitely want to dive into as well as we move through um, these uh, these episodes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's passionate 
passionate and he cares mm-hmm. and yeah he's no stranger to hyperbole you know he kind of uh, he does um he does have that kind of energetic um zeal to yeah. to his words when he says that you know Stanley calling himself the creator of Marvel Comics is the biggest art crime of the 20th century. Sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that he, he uses such grand terms is mm. is kind of ironic, really, because I feel as though the way he talks and the way he's the kind of oration that he that he gives in that is very similar to how Stanley used to uh, used to sell the comics <laughs> back in the day as well. So I feel there's a little bit of irony to that. But in, sure. the, in the nicest possible sense, you know, I'm sure he would... Um, by the way, Arlen... Uh, talks about stan i think he'd probably hate that comparison but um, <laughs> but you know he, he talks about how much he loves how much he loves kirby how much he thinks that kirby mm-hmm, deserves mm-hmm. to you know to sit on the, you know the 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 list of greatest artists of the 20th century mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, if not greatest you know greatest historical artists of our of our generation of all time you know yeah and yeah. um he's not wrong he's not wrong in a lot mm-hmm, of ways and i think mm-hmm. the 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 problem is not necessarily with Kirby. The problem is with the the larger cultural impact that comics have had, versus mm-hmm. the cultural perception of that impact. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Kirby's not not alone in that. You know, all comics and the the medium as a whole is is put in a certain box, whereas the impact of it is felt throughout other genres other mediums and mm-hmm. uh, into mm-hmm. everyday life you know and i'm not just talking about kind of the movies that come out and the t-shirts that people wear mm-hmm. but i'm talking about like the the pop culture like the literal you know pop art the that yeah. alan mentions in his lecture the very first image that was classified as pop art mm-hmm. has got kirby's art within it right. you know and then there's and that evolves then into kind of Liechtenstein's paintings that take work from um did mm-hmm. take work from uh I can't remember where Lichtenstein takes his work from, but um, you know he takes from comic book art, and yeah. Um, and yeah, and, Magneto and those, those influences, and like mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and those influences are keenly felt throughout different genres, throughout different mediums, and um, and I think Kirby is unfortunately a a um, you know a, 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 a part of that issue is is the fact that Kirby was not only has not only been overlooked in the sense of comics generally are overlooked but he's overlooked within the medium as well you know mm, he gets mm, uh, mm. and that's where Arlen becomes the most passionate because he talks about how um, Stanley you know tramps all over the memory of Kirby and you know always claims that he wrote these stories and jack kirby just drew them and where alan is is claiming and what many historians now claim to be true is that kirby came up with these ideas and he created these comics and he created these um these designs which are you know 90 percent of a comic character really when they're created is the is the design and the look and then kirby and then lee came along and just wrote a script over the top um Mm. And he uses the word auteur, which I think mm-hmm. was um, was quite was quite important. I think, and mm-hmm. and will, mm-hmm. is is um, something I think that we will try and be mindful of moving forward. Is that is that word and that idea of the auteur mm-hmm. and the idea of you know how much of Hitchcock's movies would be Hitchcock or how much of them would be iconic if not for Hitchcock's touch. Right. Um, and you know, someone else could have made, directed a movie based on the screenplays that Hitchcock had no part in. Um, but however Hitchcock adds a certain something which makes him the auteur of those works and it's the same with Kirby I think I think Kirby has that I think someone else could draw Stanley's words I think someone else could you know create work that Stanley writes words over the top of but Mm -hmm. I think they would be the lesser 
for yeah. you know for not having Kirby in them, and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you know for what much we want to talk about how much you know Stanley's words may be, you know may you may like his style of scripting, you may not like his style of scripting, but <laughs> the way they worked, the way that they worked, whereas he would have these blank you know these wordless pages of kirby's you know art and he'd have to write a script over the top of them you know he can't not be influenced by that and so in that sense it's well you know who is the creator and and who is you know is who's assisting that creator yeah um yeah and i think um arlen schumer makes a very strong case a very passionate case yeah yeah uh, that kirby deserves more recognition than he uh, than he receives yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all artists are working with the sort of cultural soup of material that is out there at the time and, you know, remixing it into a new form. And the degree to which it resonates, the, which it um, grabs hold, takes hold uh, in the popular consciousness, you know, is the degree to which it, it succeeds. And I think a good strong part of the case is that Kirby's doing a whole lot of the work of, you know, reaching into the mishmash of influences out there and making the stuff materialize on the page. And so, you know, sometimes writers get credited as creators because they, you know, quote unquote, thought up the idea or thought up the story or thought up the character. Um, but even if you took the most minimal um, interpretation of each of their respective roles in thinking up the characters, even if you didn't actually see the evidence that many of these characters um, had been dreamed up in one form or another by Kirby in earlier stages, but just to you know figure that somewhere in their back and forth they came up with these characters. So much of who these characters are and their iconography is clearly Kirby, you know, sourced, originated, right? And yeah. so to for for Kirby to to um to be credited so often as penciled by Jack Kirby, you know, <laughs> under mm. the, the in the byline after written by uh, Stan Lee. And, and so when we come to this material, the, the fourth world stuff, his sort of, um, you know, maybe post peak period at D when he, when he comes over to DC and it says over and over again, written and drawn and edited by Jack Kirby, there's a significance to those credits that I think, ought to, you know, just we, we should not easily shake off. And then Schumer's lecture goes on then, you know, despite the the sort of honoring of, of Kirby as the full creator of this New Gods material, that he also contextualizes the relationship with DC and Carmine Infantino, the, the um, publisher at the time, and or editor-in-chief, I don't remember, but... Um, but sort of how they, how DC was kind of doing Kirby dirty as well, you know, that, that maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he um, and this is uh, more speculative, but he suggests that, you know, in a kind of corporate, almost venal corporate move, it's, they, they brought Jack on as much to take him off the map for Marvel as to create his own things himself for DC. And so they gave him a very limited leash. Um, he produced this incredible work that we're reading now. Um, and because of sales, um, you know, they 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 pulled the plug quite early. Um, and, you know, I think I, I'm with Schumer in sort of bemoaning the way that his treatment must have had an impact on his later creativity. Um, Schumer calls his later work, much of it is really derivative. And I, I don't know that I'd go so far from what I've seen. Instead, I just feel like you get the sense that Kirby was grasping for not recognition, but like he's he's reaching into these pop culture things that ought to be paying homage to him and his create you know his his creative mm. output. Instead, he's doing works that try to almost replicate 
um, mirror um, sometimes our direct um, adaptations of that pop cultural work. And, um, and it's sort of like the, 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 the things that the man tries to do to remain relevant and to remain fascinated and remain curious and engage with culture and, and with things that are happening in the world um, in a, to a world that ought to be instead looking to him to say, you know, thank you and wow, and we, we were so influenced by your, your work. Instead, he, he, mm-hmm. he's still sort of reaching for that relevance. And, and I think there's a, a certain sad, you know, sad way to look at that. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's definitely true. I think um, the way that um, the way that uh, Schumer comes across in that in that section of his lecture, <laughs> he's uh, he's very angry, and you can tell that yeah. anger is, is coming out of him. And I think yeah. um, you know the way he says that a lot of Kirby's work after New Gods, after the devastation of having the Fourth World cancelled, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh, you know, I, he never recovered," and a lot of his yeah. work is is derivative, and he brings up images of his work post. Uh, new gods and post fourth world which you know is a is a return to marvel where he does mm-hmm. um he does a silver surfer graphic novel and then he yeah. does 2001 a space odyssey yeah. and then yeah. uh, for dc he does the demon and um and uh, sandman and a few other works like that um yeah. and he brings up these images and he says oh yeah it's okay it's not it's not it's not it's not great it's fine right. and right. you know i'm still looking at those images and they're incredible you know in the 2001 right. <laughs> work especially in the prisoner that he does that you see the the pencils are but it was never quite finished yeah. were are mm. incredible in- incredible absolutely amazing work mm-hmm. and i've long liked i've long enjoyed jack kirby's 2001 i think it's like a forgotten gem really that i think more mm. people should more people should seek out if they can um mm-hmm. but um but I think that's just, you know, where I wouldn't agree with Schumer is the idea that this mm-hmm. work is is in any way lesser. But I mm. agree with you where I think that Schumer's anger is mm. is is kind of overcoming him a little bit there, and rightly mm. so as well. And I think he, yeah, yeah. I think mm. what you what you've put across quite eloquently is the idea that Kirby is is trying so hard to be recognized by doing work that would be considered derivative or unoriginal mm. or franchise licensed work when mm. in actual fact these things should be the other way around they should be seeking him out they should be they yeah. should be lucky to have you know to have kirby kind of put his own spin his own creation on something yeah. Um, yeah. and i think that mm. vibrant you know um, overwhelming creativity that we're witnessing in new gods and fourth world mm. is is something that i think Schumer finds lacking in his later work and mm-hmm, I think the, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the 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 style is there the you know the skill the the actual technicality of his work is still present mm-hmm, but the actual mm-hmm. creativity the imagination is yeah. is somewhat lacking maybe because he's not he's not flexing that particular muscle you know if he's working yeah. on a licensed work like 2001 or the prisoner those aren't his ideas you know so right. he's only going so far with it and he takes it to the limit that it can be taken to but right. I think maybe Schumer's kind of suggesting and, and, you know, what's echoed in your sentiments as well is the idea that this was this was not Kirby um, potentially reaching his peak because mm-hmm. to have reached mm-hmm. his peak, he would have been a an influencer on the level of Warhol. You know, he mm-hmm. should have been mm-hmm. someone that um, that people turned to and emulated rather than him having to struggle to to find work or struggle to find something to, you know, to make his own after that. Which yeah. again, mm. you know, Schumer claims never really happened after Fourth World. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious, Matt, whether you um, 
just thinking back, it's, you know, there's a lot of material in the lecture. Did did any of it give you a new lens on the stuff we've been reading? I mean, what, were there specific insights that um, made you look at the New God stuff differently? You know, whether, um, it was, whether it was about that time period or whether it was about, you know, any aspect of Kirby's uh, career. I think what makes this lecture and what makes the the study of Kirby like even more <laughs> appealing to me now having <laughs> you know having read these is it does contextualize this work in a number of ways you know obviously there's the there's where it fits chronologically within his kind of his career um <laughs> and and it also contextual recontextualizes I think a little bit how we how we started with these books because we started reviewing Jimmy Olsen and that's where Kirby started yeah. you know and we were we were and I think you know there's probably still a lot of truth to to what we what we'd heard and how we'd come up and how we'd approached it in the sense that you know he'd taken the lowest selling book or he'd taken a book that no one else was working on because he didn't want to still work from another artist and that's probably yeah. true you know to a certain degree but yeah. also the idea that he's working he's been put to work on um, Jimmy Olsen contextualized through Schumer who who talks about it um, you know very very contemporaneously you know he talked mm-hmm, about the fact mm-hmm. that he as a fan at the time was surprised to see Kirby going from the heights of you know the the Ragnarok of Thor yeah then mm-hmm. moving straight from that into Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen where he's kind of right. resurrecting golden age characters and kind of messing about with styles there sure. um, and, and he says and, himself and doing back a little in, bit you know, of a, a James Bond type stuff because that's you know popular at the moment right that's yeah. Sort of, yeah 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 and again falling into line with the pop culture rather mm-hmm, than pop mm-hmm. culture bending to his whim kind of right, thing you know right, right, yeah. um and yeah so i think that contextualizes the start of these books definitely and i think the it mm-hmm. will it will only serve to that information that's that's kind of fed into us now this idea of of how um it was perceived by dc and how it was treated and how he was treated by dc mm-hmm. will only serve to to contextualize the work a little bit more more and more as we go through them and as we reach mm-hmm. the end mm-hmm. of the books mm-hmm. um whereas we reach the end of the issues but not necessarily the end of the story yeah um i think yeah, that yeah. will only kind of come into a bit more of a frame now what about you how did you feel about it you know one of the things that i took away and i don't know that he said this explicitly schumer did but um was thinking actually, you know, I think, you know, I've read these biographies, right, of, of Kirby, but actually hearing it all condensed into a two-hour talk really yeah. made me think about how this man um, straddled eras and straddled genres, right? And so, and so mm. a lot of the talk is about how, you know, early on he's doing superheroes, but then the sort of, um, you know, the, um, I guess what the audience is looking for shifts and he's always trying to kind of get in superheroes right like, or, yeah. or keep alive superheroes or follow where superhero work is being done like i.e you know when the flash um re- gets a little bit of a resuscitation in, in, in at dc in the silver age at the, at the um, dawn of the silver age but you know as needed uh he and simon go from superheroes to romance and westerns and war comics and and monster com- you know like he he has to move with what's popular for survival's sake, and does so yeah. so um, 
so effectively, right, to move from genre to genre, in some cases, creating the genre within the medium, right, like establishing mm-hmm. the genre within the medium. Um, Newsboy Legion, which we've been talking about, really kind of coming from a time period when those <laughs> those little squads of, of rascals become, are, are, you know, again, another thing that's out in the, in the pop culture consciousness that he makes manifest as comics. And yeah. so when we come to this stuff, I realize that you know unshackled. This is like new new guy. Fourth world is is Kirby unshackled, and unshackled Kirby takes this seems to take this delight in mixing those genres. That I actually think that my thinking has been to call it like mixing, or he's kind of like whatever mashing things things up. But I think that's actually um, a chronological in the sense that I feel like he's always had these within him. And that's the way he sees the world. Like when uh, Schumer's talking about the sort of myth of the golem, you know, and how um, for as a sort of Jewish um, tradition and story that that stuff, that that myth moves between literature, art, politics, you know, survival. It's basically life, you know, and life has you thinking about gangsters and space and mythology and superheroics all at once. And so the way that new gods can be sometimes jarring in that one minute we're doing like sciencey tech, you know, Kirby tech, and the next minute we're like throwback gangsters, and the next minute we're like, um, uh, you know, some some sort of weird happy land political propaganda thing going on. Like those are a kind of unified whole in Kirby's experience. And I think the lecture helped me to really sense that. And it made mm-hmm. me appreciate what he's doing in this work, that um, part of the burst of creativity is to, to, to not be segmented in terms of genre, but to sort of weave them together into a, a master universe kind of narrative. And that's uh, that's pretty astounding to me. Yeah, and I think that yeah. also kind of helps to solidify the idea that Kirby could have been an influencer. He could have been right. a uh, a trailblazer, and he could have been the if he'd have been given the the appreciation, if he'd been given the platform, sure. he sure. could take those genres and make something new of them, which is sure. very much what he does. You know, he does yeah. in new gods, yeah. as mm-hmm. we've mentioned for the last few weeks about the mm-hmm. the kind of crime noir mixed in with weird sci-fi <laughs> and yeah. and new gods and forever people being kind of hippies, but all. all also about um you know uh, politics and yeah. you know analogies to to, to contemporary pol- politics at the time and yeah. and yeah, yeah. that's so i think there's a lot of that whereas you know i think that's potentially what humor was you know um, mm-hmm. trying to get to is the idea that this is this is where kirby is you know is unleashed and kirby could be this this powerhouse of ideas and creativity mm-hmm. and imagination whereas in his waning years or in the years like following this yeah. um potentially that that stumble is not something he gets back up from and he you know yeah. he struggles mm-hmm. to kind of then keep up with the moving times and and kind of mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. goes back to the well one too many times rather yeah. than just trying to push forward so it does definitely contextualize the work and um and it only encourages me to to try and do more more background reading of kirby more <laughs> more looking at the history of kirby and looking at the his grander you know his grander um yeah. career in yeah. order to mm. contextualize these a lot more and i think that's definitely something that i'm hoping we can try and incorporate in uh, in our podcast as we move forward yeah 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 absolutely absolutely i mean i think we wanted to read this to look back 
um, there's a side of us that also wants to look forward. You know, if this movie is happening, which I feel like, you know, right now it's still on track to happen. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But speculating about what that's going to look like. And then and then also just continuing to like mine this for its current relevance in the ways that you can, you know, these characters come back. That's why I think um, I'm excited to talk about Mr. Miracle next week and, and this current iteration of that character yeah. and what's what's kind of becoming of him in, in our times. So um, one one thing to note um, and, uh, you know, feel free to pull us back to the, the Schumer lecture if you'd like. But um, thanks again to James just for being <laughs> number one fan and just great correspondent. And, yeah. um, you know, love that you've sent us this material. And I think for for both of us, Matt, we're continuing to learn and grow from from this this exploration, um, I uh, I signed up for the DC Universe ma- app. Uh, Matt, do you know about this? I do know about it. Yeah, I only yeah. know it's um, through others because it's not okay. available in the UK, which is um, which is a bit frustrating at the moment. But yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, tell me more about it. Uh, yeah, I'll just keep taunting you because I have it here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna turn you off, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think it was a slightly early release, but basically DC's has an app that's, um, I don't know, it's not the same as Marvel Unlimited, which, you know, you get a whole lot of Marvel comics. And actually, if you, in comparison, the comics offerings thus far, I mean, I think some people will be satisfied, but most people sort of like is trying to hit all the spots and therefore will will please no one, you know, so you get like one issue of a few Rebirth titles, you get, um, uh, you know, the beginning of 52, the beginning of like you know, uh, various significant runs, but you also get the whole thing of, you know, uh, Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One, and and actually you get a lot of good uh, classic stuff. And so um, maybe because of the upcoming New Gods movie or whatever, we have all 11 issues of New Gods in um, DC Universe app, in the DC Universe app. Um, you also have um, four issues of Forever People, and uh, no, no Jimmy Olsen <laughs> in here. <laughs> we, didn't get, we didn't get Superman's Val in here. Um, but there's actually a lot of stuff that may seem more obscure from that era and prior. Um, so I, it wouldn't shock me, I guess, to find Jimmy Olsen on here. Um, but they, no, the, no. Weird, the weird thing is, and I don't know if this is an error or if there's reasons for this, but they actually have the first three issues of Mr. Miracle, the 1971 Jack Kirby Mr. Miracle. And then Mm. they have seven issues of the 1988 Mr. Miracle. And the thing that makes me wonder is that it's the first three issues. And then the seven issues of the 1988 Mr. Miracle are actually issues number four through 10. Now, I haven't read that stuff. Um, so ah. I, I'm wondering if it was like an error of, oh yeah, um, we're just gonna do Mr. Miracle, you know, the whole run, and they did the four through ten of the yeah, um, yeah. J M De Mateus uh, 1988 stuff instead of the Kirby stuff, uh, or maybe if there's some significance to starting at issue four of that run, but that doesn't make much sense to me. So um, nah, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, that would be a bummer if they intended to put the whole Mr. Miracle uh, Kirby run and instead mistakenly put that latter one uh, yeah that's but, a shame yeah <clears throat> yeah so you were saying that you've read you're reading these issues uh, or you're reading forever uh, new gods anyway yeah, new gods. on mm-hmm. the digital on the app yeah yeah and i should mention and this is our, our segueing i think into the issues themselves but um uh, i also these two issues also are in the artist edition so i mentioned last uh, episode that i have the artist editions for new gods forever people and mr miracle which uh, again are IDW um, reprinting the original art in its original size. Um, these massive books um, that are so, Matt, 
They're so nice <laughs> to look at. <laughs> Man, I want to fly these to you in England <laughs> just so yeah, we can spend yeah. some days drooling over this stuff. And, I would um, love to look at them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so this re- today's reading experience was quite different because I was reading New Gods on an app, which you and I have talked a little bit about the difference between, you know, me reading it on paper on an omnibus and the way that, like, for instance, color shows on the backlit screen. But uh, I read New Gods number five on the DC Universe app. Um, and then I also read both issues on the uh, in the artist edition. And so um, it does. It does look different. And I think my, hmm. you know, honestly, one of my biggest takeaways is I, I don't know that I like this stuff in color. <laughs> I mean, I, I usually like really? color. Really? Okay. Yeah, but I just feel like the color actually takes away so much of the gradient of the mm. of the ink work and the and the sort of line work that um i just have enjoyed reading it more um, and maybe it's the splendor of having it printed at such large size but as i look at these pages on my you know and i have an ipad pro that's like pretty big so it's it's mm. you know it's a decent sized screen but just the way the color kind of um occludes the subtleties um, yeah, that I can yeah. see on the big page. Uh, I'm just uh, my own preference now is just to read that stuff in, yeah. in black and white. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's um, I think it's interesting the way you're reading it because you're obviously <laughs> I think the only thing missing from that experience is to read the original physical issue. Sure, you right, know, right, because right. you've got the artist edition, which is the 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 oldest kind of possible version of that material. You know, yeah. obviously it's newly right. reprinted and everything, but you're looking sure. at the basically you're looking at the the sketchboard that yeah, Kirby was the, working from, you know. That's right. And the, then so slightly to, yellowed pages and things. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. They're very, very faithful in that sense. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, they yeah. want to show the warts and all of this art, you know, because yes. that's the beauty of looking at those artist editions in yes. the gen, like the as close to real size as possible and everything as well. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then you're actually you're flipping that and you're looking at it in the most modern version possible, which is right. kind of through this brand new dc streaming app where it's sure. uh, you know digital downloads and all this kind of stuff yeah and um and yeah i mean i'm interested in the i mean we we touched on this a little bit before with the i think i've got is it forever people number two i had uh, i bought mm-hmm. from yeah, um, yeah, yeah. i bought from santa barbara and i'm right. reading the physical issue compared to the the digital version that was an interesting comparison right, um, right. but reading mm-hmm. these two versions as well is is even more startling i imagine and i always suspected that the digital not only the like the colorization of the art and the inking which you know a lot of people um schumer touches on it as well the the, the ink work of vince coletta um, mm-hmm, and how mm-hmm. the kind of the infamous you know infamous influence that he has over kirby's penciling yes um mm. but also more than that the actual digital colorization of these works i yeah. don't think is as um is as uh, kind as i think it should be is as thoughtful yeah. as i think it could be um and i think they're the end result is is they want to get it on the on the you know on a digital platform they want to preserve it but right. something is kind of lost in that preservation really right. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm. I think there's something to be said because we've talked um, well we've not talked it's not on this show but I've I've talked to a few other people and I've I've read articles online about the idea mm-hmm. of um, the uh, video games basically and, and mm. restoring or or maintaining a historical record of video games hmm. and um, the the biggest the biggest industry or the biggest kind of um, body that maintain historical you know records of these games is arguably 
piracy because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by by pirating ROMs of of old you know eight bit games sixteen bit games and things like huh. that, um, they are maintaining this original product. Whereas yeah, the yeah. if if uh, history of uh, museums and stuff maintain the cartridges, then the cartridges will degrade over time until right. it's forever lost. Huh. Um, and there's something to be said about about this in the sense as well. You know, I don't agree with comic book piracy. That's not the yeah. <laughs> that's not the end. <laughs> that's not the the end. Like, that's not the summary of what I'm saying here. So you know. Please don't think that. I, d- I disagree with that absolutely entirely. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, I I remember being in, in, in uni and in school and people giving mm. me like a floppy disk with like mm-hmm. uh, scanned comics on it yeah. and, you know, me yeah. kind of reading them. And before before I knew any better, before, you know, kind sure. of... I think we've all had some experience with yeah. Yeah. with pirated work, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah. so to, mm. to see that Pete like pirated versions of comics as far as I'm know are, are just scanned versions of of the actual pages yeah right um and I imagine now that comics are on comicsology and stuff I imagine the, the digital piracy is probably you know more an exact replica but right. um but back when I last that experience with it, it was essentially scanned versions of pages and so right. it's interesting right. to think that that element of it has been lost when the you know when marvel or dc or whoever digitizes their comics and they that's put right. this new coloring over the top that's right. um it's interesting to see that that would be vastly different to say a digital scan of um like the you know the only way you could if you had the dc universe app the only way you could read the old um jimmy olsen's would be to to get the original comic or to get a right. scan of it right. um and luckily those ver- those issues are on comicsology which is useful Right. Um, but if they right. weren't, you know, how else would you read them? You know, apart yeah. from, you know, in that in that form. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and back to your original point. I mean, I, you even when you do read them in the um, digitized form, you know, the excuse, <laughs> if you want to call it that, or actually the genuine intent of a lot of early scanners were was to was preservation. You know, they would put the word digital comics preservation in the name of what they were scanning you know <laughs> yes, at least from yeah, what i remember yeah. i don't know if that's still the case but but it was it was a notion that these are like paper pages that are lost to time and so you know i forgot what the name of it is but the digital archive of 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 comics that is legal the sort of like um uh what do you call it post um copyrighted uh stuff that that you can look at you know s- seeing the mm. pa- the color as it came out on those pages printed on those that that newsprint is um is so much a part of that experience that um the restoration may be nice and maybe readable in a lot of ways but it just sort of loses something absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. do you remember a few years ago marvel um they might still do it i've not seen it recently but they used to do um like kind of giant size issues or special issues where they would have a new story at the front and then they would reprint a classic story in the back but the classic story would be recolored to yeah. be with more mm. modern coloring mm-hmm. and that was just as bad in my opinion because <laughs> yeah, that's kind right. of you know that's you know you, you looked at it and there were a few times where i looked and thought actually you know for those people that are you know because i've got a few friends that won't read anything over 20 years old because mm. it's it's yeah. it's all old-fashioned fuddy-duddy you know kind right. of four color comics that they don't have any interest in right. um but then they'd read those issues and they'd enjoy them and it's like well that's you know that just shows you that the art can 
can transcend yeah. you know decades can transcend the age it came in and i think i imagine yeah. that kirby would be exactly the same if someone was to take those original pencils and ink them in a modern way and then color mm. them in a modern way that would mm. resemble more modern comics i'd be interested to see that as an experiment but at the same time mm-hmm. it does take away from the people that worked hard on them at the time mm-hmm. and kind of goes mm-hmm. against the the point i was trying to make earlier the fact that these these issues these digital scan or these you know this um the scans of the paper that uh, kind of pirates, <laughs> for want of a better word, um, you know, use. I, I don't. I'm, I'm reluctant to kind of say that their motives are preservation. It might not be. I, I don't remember. It might be. Sure. It might not be. But sure. Uh, but at the same yeah. time, you'd, you'd see that you'd see the actual original colouring, the original, and there's something to be said about that. And there's something about keeping it within the context of history as well, mm-hmm. as opposed to stripping all of that from it. And just yeah. kind of stripping all of the everything but the lines away, and then just redoing it in a modern style, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. definitely loses something, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's it's like people arguing the case for kind of MP3s over records, I suppose. Yeah, you know, all yeah. the the flaws in listening to a record or listening to an LP, and and having the original artwork from the seventies or eighties or whatever is is <laughs> part of its charm, you know. Whereas opposed yeah. to yeah. if you just stripped it all back and got it off iTunes, then. You know, yeah. is something lost in that and that's that's an interesting kind of conversation that is far outside the scope of what we were originally <laughs> meant to be talking about <laughs> but i you know as always i enjoy talking to you no for sure and actually you know maybe we can start with new gods number five one of the fir- the opening pages um you know has the title spawn and um in the artist edition there's no photo collage it's just Met- metreon in his chair Oh, wow. <laughs> because oh, that's interesting. It's, it's yeah. just a white background otherwise. Uh, and so we know, you know, Kirby with his pioneering use of photo collage. Um, we see that on the page in uh, mm. in the first in the beginning of New Guys number five. But uh, the original art is just sort of pasted on um, titles and uh, Metron in a chair and blank space and a, and a Jack Kirby signature. Although it, it's worth noting here. This is also, I think, a significant marker point for um, this one. Uh, we've been in, inked by Vince Coletta, as you mentioned. Although, but um, New Gods number five is Mike Royer's uh, debut as inker, and uh, Royer often appreciated by Kirby aficionados as um, one of the best, if not the best, Kirby inker. And so, yeah. you know, it was interesting for me to look at the artist edition, uh, and then also, of course, you can see it in the issue itself um, at the differences. Uh, if I could pick up, if I could detect any differences between. Royer's inks on this and uh, what Collette has been doing um, with with all of these these issues. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How do you how did you find that? Like, how, not looking at the artist edition and seeing the original, was it is it stripped down to the original pencils or is it from the inks onward? No, yeah, it's from both? the inks. Uh, it's from the inks, and you know, um, because I think you know they inked it directly on the the page in in Kirby's case, and uh, and so you can see the inking, um, and you can see you know places where the pencils blue line pencil or something like that or or, or pencil uh, pencil underneath is visible and and then yeah. that wouldn't have gotten reproduced but um that's where it's interesting and actually one big difference is that um you look at the coletta stuff there are there's a lot of pencil that's visible or erased pencil that you can see or whiteout that's used and in the um coletta stuff maybe there's a different kind of confidence maybe there's a different sort of um, proficiency with certain kinds of tools. There's very little pencil that's evident, which to me speaks to his faithfulness to mm. Kirby. And then there's also very little erasure or um, or whiteout. Um, and so it seemed like part of um, uh, uh, of uh, Royer's 
uh, I don't know, what he brought to the table was to really uh, find ink ways to represent Kirby's pencil. You know, like what Kirby is doing in pencils, uh, Royer just has a different set of sort of tools to, to make that happen in ink that makes yeah. it feel like there's a greater fidelity. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. And that's and that's obviously why um, the, the, can, like many fans of Kirby say that Mike mm-hmm. Royer is, is the like, significantly better um, <laughs> a person to be inking than Vince Coletta. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, the Schumer lecture that we looked at um, talks a lot about uh, Wally Wood, you know, and times when Wally Wood, great artist, of course, himself, um, inked Kirby, and that there's this um, effusive use of blacks and thick chunks of blacks and variable line weights that you can kind of see that Royer has a command of that's a little different from uh, from Coletta. And I, that that may also be part of, of the vibrancy of Kirby's work coming out through the inks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> I, I think I we both breathed in then to start a sentence. Exactly, <laughs> that, was, that was great podcast timing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to throw in that I keep promising that I'll share some images of this of this these artist edition stuff. This time, I'll I'll make sure that we get those in there and send them along to you, so you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I do definitely want to see them because mm. I think this issue um, is is incredible artwork mm, mm, artwork wise mm, i mean mm. there again this goes back to the whole, the idea that kirby just picks up picks up these concepts and uh, creates these worlds and and beings and then just kind of moves on and, and leaves them <laughs> and i think this is mm. it's no more you know harshly realized than it is in this these first few pages where mm-hmm. you know metron is kind of whizzing through the stars and he comes across this uh promethean galaxy he talks about and there's a huge dead god being strapped to uh what looks like a huge meteorite and metron is like a little ant in the bottom corner and across this double page spread you see this this dead god that's in you know almost in kind of a christ-like pose but with his art with his legs spread wide as well right um just physically strapped and restrained to this machine um, and that is uh, something that's incredible and never mm-hmm. mentioned again. And Schumer even mentions in his in his lecture that this this page specifically is referenced in a few things. It's on the cover of a record that someone made. It's it's mm-hmm, referenced mm-hmm. in pop art as well. But it's right. it's never this actual being is never mentioned again. Um, right. And I'm glad he made the comparison. I think well, either he made the comparison here or somewhere else. He made the comparison to the Alien movie, the first Alien movie, yeah, um, and how they come across this huge dead being in a chair. Uh, and up until recently, that was never explored, never expanded upon. And I think yeah. it, I, I think that it should never have been expanded on. I liked the mystery of that. Mm, um, mm. And and likewise, I kind of like the mystery of this as well. I like the fact that Kirby does throw this out there, and there's this just this dead. Uh, you know, dead, dead god strapped to a, a, a huge meteor, like flying through the galaxy, and yeah. it's never it's never mentioned again. And it kind of there's like a burgeoning burgeoning universe that Kirby kind of brushes past on his way to something else, and that that's fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've just sent you Matt the um, those pages in the artist edition, and um, again, it's just glorious to look at. And um, but even on you know even on a digital page that that you you take time to kind of take in the image it's extraordinary um yeah I, should we should we go through new gods uh number five and what all happened and you know see if we have yeah. any thoughts on it 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, sh- shall I go through it? Yeah, yeah, if you don't uh, mind. Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, yeah, we start. So we start with Metron. That's kind of he's whizzing through the galaxy, and he's uh, talking about um, the um, just the vastness of the universe, and talking about mm-hmm. shattered, motionless giants, intellect that intellects that equal my own, um, and <laughs> um, he uh, slice. He, he comes back to New Genesis, and it cuts to. Uh, the modern day or the you know the the kind of the scenario that we've been following on earth um we're introduced to terrible turpin who is the um <laughs> is the police the police chief oh no he's sergeant he's a sergeant yeah um in charge of looking at the the new gods and orion case specifically that's um that's kind of been uh, that's that's overwhelming them at the moment and uh, and then we follow through the the issue we follow again we see um these human characters that have been following orion round um <laughs> what the, are their names the orion gang <laughs> right. well yeah i can tell you their names because they say them all over again uh, yeah there's mr lanza there's um claudius there's, oh yeah victor lanza there's claudius shane and harvey lockman like they refer to themselves by their own names and then they talk about other people by their full names as well so <laughs> right. it's uh, it's fascinating but then we kind of leave them really for the rest of the issue uh, for the most part and we cut to um orion who's fighting against um the deep six or the first of the deep six anyway yeah. he's um yeah. after last issue um he's been um captured and he's a prisoner of slig who's this like frog-like being mm-hmm. um with one hand that can um create uh give in- increasing amounts of radiation in order to kind of um mutate anything that he touches and mm-hmm. then his other hand um has the power to disintegrate living beings with a single mm-hmm. touch mm-hmm. um so he's not something you want to hold hands with really um, <laughs> and, um not, not great for he, cuddling uh, <laughs> no he's not he's not great for cuddling i, I forgot that we're going to be rating everyone on a cuddle scale That's and, right. uh, yeah he That's is right. he is a he's a two he's a two out of ten on the he's cuddle bad scale. No, negative four yeah he is he is bad yeah um, and so orion kind of um is uh showing to fight against um the deep six he releases himself from this kind of monstrous clamshell um that um that he's been captured by and then he fights against um well oh, i don't know whether there's oh shark seed is the name of him who's right. basically he's an action figure waiting to be made he's just <laughs> a, essentially a kirby soldier with the head of a shark right. which is uh, which is awesome which there's, there's no downside to that and no, then no. um and then basically he they hint at the idea that there's this um the um the deep six are what they're there for what they're doing they're creating or they're unleashing something awful and terrible mm. upon the mm. world mm. um and it's um its scale is you know in the in the old sense it's awesome it's like it's overwhelmingly big um and it's loose it's out um he sees the the fractured shell of this being of this being yeah. or the the um the basically the the restraints that they were keeping it in uh, is yeah. empty um and that in itself is this awesome image this full page spread of um of this kind of husk that's been carved open mm-hmm. um and you can only imagine the thing that is that is trapped inside you know mm. uh, or was restrained by it previously mm. um but then um we move on from that and we cut to um cut back to terrible turpin and he's um he's tracking down the orion gang uh, or how they were and uh, and he's looking at um he's got uh, in earlier in the issue he's got surveillance footage of orion that was captured from the um intergang's headquarters mm-hmm. so like 
like every good break in a police case is always helped by the the, the bad guys filming everything <laughs> <laughs> and so what the what the intergang has done uh, they've um, they've basically filmed everything um, my detectives went to pick up those intergang hoods you busted we found gadgets in that rat's nest that would scare our best scientists into silence and uh, this videotape was hidden in a wall um, so it's a visual record of everything that went on. So that solves a lot of their problems, as far as I'm concerned. That kind of cuts out a lot of police time, which, which is good. It's precious. Yeah. Um, and then they go out, and then he's interviewing a guy in the hospital, um, and he's describing the Deep Six, basically, um, and how he was attacked by them. Um, and um, Turpin goes off. Detective Sergeant Turpin, um, and he's going off to, to you know investigate more. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we see back on Earth um, the uh, Orion gang. We see Claudia and uh, I can't believe I've forgotten the guy's name. He says it literally <laughs> every page that he's on. <laughs> I've forgotten Victor Lanza. Name. <laughs> Vic, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. Uh, young Victor Lanza. Yeah, sure. let's go with him. And um, and they're both there, and they see a boom tube open, and out of it comes Calabac. Now, have yeah. we seen Calabac before in? Um, in these issues so far because i know i know him from yeah um, no i think comics, i think this is sure. uh i think this is calabac's debut if i'm not mistaken maybe we have but uh can't recall yeah, yeah 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 um so yeah so calabac arrives and he has this um you know knockdown drag out with uh, with orion and it's mm-hmm. interesting because um to beat um to beat calabac Orion has to unleash this monstrous side of himself that mm-hmm. we had. It was hinted at a few issues ago, or last issue, about this idea of um, of Orion's face, true face, being masked um, yeah. because you know, as we know, he's the son of Darkseid and he's not of New Genesis, um, but he he uses Motherbox, and Motherbox helps him to to become a face that people would you know trust and and have as their, their benevolent leader right. um but in beating um is it calabac he's beating or is it uh, is it still the slick. deep six he's fighting against yeah uh, it's still slick isn't it calabac has yeah. arrived on earth and mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. meanwhile um orion is fighting against slick mm-hmm. and um yeah so to beat slick he he destroys the mother box that Slig has, so it, right. it seems that Slig also has mother boxes. Uh, the Apocalypse also has mother boxes, mm-hmm. um, so he destroys that, and um, and I think that is that's a significant moment I think for Orion, yeah. and I think because mm-hmm. of that, because of how far he had to go to defeat Slig, um, his true face is unve- unveiled, and it's this you know monstrous kind of um, caveman esque. You know, face with a huge ginger monobrow, <laughs> um, which you know, no one's ever gonna, no one's ever gonna find that uh, uh, the face of a true leader. He must, you know. Then, then Motherbox comes in, basically just takes away a few of the lines, removes the ginger monobrow, and replaces it with uh, with, with eyebrows, real eyebrows. Um, I mean, that's a and, dead giveaway uh, of your origins in Apocalypse. That uh, you, you're, you're definitely part of the anti-life crew if you haven't plucked uh between the uh the two parts of your your eyebrows yeah I think that's yeah and, and you know who can ignore dark sides <laughs> like iconic ginger monobrow <laughs> he's definitely his son um it's yeah it's fantastic i love how they yeah. uh, they go this guy's ugly because he's ginger what <laughs> um yeah, so he's he's just uh, yeah. So the change happens. He uses mother box as a bit of a makeup uh, a makeup case, <laughs> and uh, defeats Slick and yeah, kill basically essentially kills him, doesn't he? He kind of beats mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. Uh, beats him to death with his own helmet, and then throws him off um, throws him off a cliff, mm. and then um, 
we see on the final page we see uh, Orion jetting off underwater to try and find this huge leviathan that has been unleashed and we see on the final page we we see what this leviathan looks like and it's this um kind of monstrous techno organic you know bright mm. pink being that looks like a um a whale you know if mad max made a whale right <laughs> then this is what it would look like it's got these huge chrome horns right and, many uh, horns right of, yeah many many horns yeah chrome a chrome grill um bright pink um, how did that look in the uh, in the artist's edition? Oh, fantastic. And again, looking now at the digital page, which is what I'm looking at, it uh, it just feels like a lot. Of, it, I mean, it's pretty, pretty um, crazy a design, but just a lot of the subtlety is, is kind of lost. Yeah, 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 and and, and that's um, and that's the the end of um, of New Gods uh, issue five, yeah. really. And they uh, mm -hmm. it is leading into uh, one of the um, more um, iconic issues of New Gods, which is mm -hmm. uh, the Glory Boat, which is issue six, mm -hmm. um, which we'll um, we'll cover um, in a few episodes' time. Mm -hmm. um, but that is um, a very significant issue of New Gods, and it's one mm -hmm. that a lot of people reference when they talk about the the importance of Kirby's Fourth World stuff. So I'm I'm excited mm -hmm. to get to that one. But um, but what were your thoughts on this uh, on this issue? Um, it was fun. <laughs> I, mean, I think there were a lot of crazy monster <laughs> crazy monster stuff going on. You know. And I, I think, I, I mean, I read this around the same time I was listening to the Arlen Schumer lecture. And mm. I kept thinking back to Kirby as a man of his time and his ability to try to sum up in his work the kinds of, um, you know, I think that there's this openness all the time to the way that culture is changing. And he's always, uh, he's always letting that, sort of play out in the work um and so again the astounding thing that this this creator spans you know the world war ii pre even pre-world war ii era through the um you know up through the counterculture of the times that we're looking at now and beyond and i was really struck by orion <laughs> ugly orion <laughs> and beautiful orion on 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 a page and the thought that he kirby is this proficient monster designer right yeah. and he's always drawing monsters and monsters are physically um you know scary and but i yeah. i feel like he's always kind of um reckoning with some tensions within himself about the work itself which is that the more you draw monstrous looking things as monsters and you don't interrogate that I, I don't know if interrogate is even the right word but you don't sort of mm. bring that all into question then you're just perpetuating some um some pretty nasty stuff and you know um this could be a bit of a segue into forever people sunny sumo who is featured on this issue <laughs> is an asian character who you can tell that there's almost a little bit of um repentance from Kirby's participation in what every American comic artist did in the World War II era, which is to render Asians as, you know, essentially villainous in their phenotypical features. You know, yeah, basically yeah. the monsters that um, haunted the pages of Captain America when he's punching Hitler were monsters that were, the, you know, sort of American society's monsters at the time, foreigners yeah. and, um, you know, these threatening uh, uh, outsiders. And then, of course, there were actual monster monsters that they would draw as well, but the likeness <laughs> of those. And so 
I was really struck by this notion of Orion carrying in himself the contradictions, but then the mother box essentially restoring him to a sort of uh, handsome, you know, Western, <laughs> modern yeah. kind of, um, kind of uh, um, you know, veneer. And, and I just, it, it makes me uh, appreciate Kirby. You know, you can sort of laugh at um, the second order stereotyping going on with, you know, Black Racer and with Sunny Sumo, but that he yeah. is at least always kind of working toward a self-questioning or a, or let, let's do this differently. Like let's be inclusive yeah. to the extent to which that um, might come off at this, in this time period. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that is, again, it's, it all comes down to context, doesn't it? And I think if yeah. you, yeah. if you hold these books up to a modern standard, which is, yeah. it's never something we've tried to do on this show, but it, it's, yeah. it's certainly something that you, you know, again, if we want to go into the idea of these issues being modernized for a modern audience, you know, yeah, and kind of right. re- recolored and to the point where they can sit alongside more contemporary work, then they yeah, will. Right. There is a danger that they will be judged in that same context. Sure, sure. Whereas yeah. I think, um, you know, looking at these contextual, contextualizing these issues within the history of the time and within Kirby's, you know, intentions himself, which you know do should count for something really. Yeah. Um, this there's this idea that yes, there are very flawed characterizations and yes you know that idea of of potentially um rehumanizing orion by making him this you know handsome white guy you know um <laughs> there is that element of you know is is that you know potentially uh you know a racial slight mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. i i i again i don't think looking at looking at kirby's um, work and look at how Kirby treats these characters. Yes, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. are in a position like Sonny Sumo is kind of littered with, um, you know, littered with uh, what we would consider to be, you know, negative stereotypes, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. matter how how much you're in a heroic positive sense, yeah, right. positive light, Sonny Sumo, you know, he is sure. he is absolutely the deus ex machina that, that yeah. saves the forever people in this issue, you know, and he goes through and he rescues them all individually with his brute strength or with his sure. power, with his mental his, abilities. His exotic um, so he is, uh, oriental. <laughs> oh, yeah, the oriental Powers. mystical power, the ritual <laughs> of wound rejection, yeah, which, um, yeah, which is, again, it's like kind of, it's, it's essentially Kirby and it's brilliant, but then it mm-hmm. is also deeply flawed in, mm-hmm, in a modern mm-hmm. in a modern context you know that's right yeah. um or in any context you know there's yeah, no, there's, right. there is no excusing this kind of uh, behavior and i don't want to be this kind of person that turns around and goes well you know no. it's he's your granddad of course he's going to be a little bit racist you sure. know but sure. there's no there is no excuse for it and there was no excuse at the time but at the same time i do think that um context matters in this case and mm-hmm, I, I imagine mm-hmm. um it's not my place to apologize for it. it's not my place to excuse it but it is yeah, yeah. it is interesting that um it, it, it is i think it's it's important to kind of look at these within the context of history and yeah. it's not it's nowhere near as bad as say you know some of the tintin issues or some of the sure. you know some of the even the donald duck and mickey mouse cartoons you know yeah, where they yeah. were you know looking at you know they were you know with tribal tribal gangs and things like that and just yeah. hideous hideous right racial stereotypes that were negative and were yeah. uh, were perpetuated not yeah. not in a malicious sense but in a kind of look at how funny the other is you sure. know whereas sure. in this sense kirby is unfortunately a victim of his own time but he's also <laughs> you can sense that he's trying to um trying to amend that by putting yeah. them in heroic roles by putting them in prominent yeah. um heroic 
poses and, and yeah. treating them as as equals within within the within the page. Yeah, it's that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and that move in that time period, the sort of sense of ennobling um, these people that we once othered and 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 treated as as somehow dark and villainous and mysterious, is yeah. one that you know from a even from a, um, a, a you know anti-colonial standpoint has its problem you know obviously problematic elements and there's some like deep essentialism and deep reductionism going on but there's also you know you also can put that in the context of um of a, a, an attempt to make make more right i mean the image uh in forever people uh number five which we've now sort of subtly transitioned into of the f- row of the five of those forever people sort of standing yeah. affirmatively before um sunny sumo and sort of you know that lineup is um an album cover of 1971 you know like that mm, is, it is yeah. that is a a a full of the impulses within one generation to dream of a different kind of world. And yeah, there's a certain amount of erasure and a certain amount of um, uh, gross oversimplification of cultures that's going on here. And yet, mm. um, as you were saying, you know, to to in- understand Kirby's intent in its context and relative to the, the available um, sort of um, options of the time and, and also in contrast to other, you know, very terrible um, replications of colonial stereotypes of the time it's it's um at least at min- at minimum an interesting artifact of of shifting ways of thinking but i think within the context of who kirby is and what he intends what we know he was about there's just something actually really really kind of um that that i you know i can appreciate even as much as i feel that my <laughs> myself my people <laughs> the part of the world i come from uh is reduced yeah. by these kinds of these kinds of characters so yeah yeah and i think there's um there's there, as i say there is no kind of apologizing for it. it's not our place to apologize for it or excuse <laughs> it um and there are certain elements to it like i don't think he i don't think he knows what a samurai is <laughs> no. he uses that word multiple times sure. i don't think it means what he thinks it means um and also i find it interesting that um that eternal dreamer says nothing in this issue yeah um yeah. there's not a single line that she utters um sure. and she just responds to to um is it eternal dreamer is that her name beautiful dreamer beautiful dreamer yeah yeah beautiful dreamer sorry yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah she doesn't say a single word even on that you know amazing splash page that yeah. is an album cover sure. everyone gets a everyone gets a, a, a little, um, a little bubble, bubble but her. except her yeah and, and she's her just smile. there kind of nodding along yeah <laughs> smiling along and um and yeah so that's a shame as well so there are she, like a few things that mar this you know this yeah. issue but um yeah 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 and uh and no i mean you know and we're setting up here for I don't know. We didn't do the plot summary, but I think that's a fine. There's not much to it. <laughs> no, Sunny, that, that's it, really. We, yeah, yeah. Sunny Sumo has the anti-life equation. Uh, you know, becomes one with the mother box to save them from the happy land thing that we've been talking about. But uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, I I I feel um, sort of um, off the hook for summarizing at this point because you know we're now getting into about halfway through these runs, right? And we're starting yeah. to realize that. Um, Kirby is operating at least as much, if not more, in cultural signifiers than he is in plot details. And um, so, I mean, there are plot details, certainly, but I'm, I, I don't know, I'm less interested in following those <laughs> as yeah, I, I am so in, too. In, yeah. in the sort of ways that he's sort of like engaging the world with just the creations and 
where these creations are coming from and and all that mm. um and i think yeah i think there are certain issues like this one as well like there's there's yes it introduces you know a significant character in sunny sumo and <laughs> you know a lot of the issue is dedicated to his introduction you know over over half the issue in fact yeah. and then the rest of the issue is is in a direct um you know direct consequence of him and his actions mm-hmm. um so this is very much a sunny sumo kind of centric issue um but um there's a feeling that the issue before this was you know was happy land and was um king of the damned which is you know one of my favorite issues and um and even at the end of this issue you know kirby comes on board in his final final caption box you know there's a little box that says what happens next will astound you so it's almost yeah. like he's saying yeah this issue was good but next issue's better you know <laughs> so i feel like even even he is kind of going yeah that's fine you don't need to summarize this one guys <laughs> don't worry about this one the next one's gonna be better you know so um there's as i said there's nothing there's nothing entirely bad about this or the new gods issue no. particularly but i think yeah. it's now that we've gone through the stages on these last episodes where we've introduced the characters and we've discussed mm-hmm. how kirby plots issues and how how kirby moves his moves you through an issue using mm-hmm. his art mm-hmm. i think it's okay for us to kind of shift focus a little mm-hmm. bit from a dedicated plot summary and yeah. recap <laughs> to um you know to in, into the grander schemes of it and i think uh, yeah i think that's important yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that same box, what happens next will astound you. He says, by George, it astounded even me. And I, Jack Kirby, am much closer to this saga than you are, dear Adrian. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, but, uh, uh, yeah, and he's, again, I think that is, I think he is that way and he writes that way as a as an influence from Stan Lee, yeah. I, th- I think. I think that's yep. definitely Stan mm-hmm. Lee's influence on Kirby. Absolutely. And yes, I completely agree with everything that Arlen Schumer said. Yeah. And I do agree with a lot of contemporary critics of Stan Lee and how mm-hmm. he had, um, you know, kind of trampled over everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope that that stacked carousel swings back around and I yeah. hope we do get to appreciate, certainly, you know, because I don't feel as though it's a stretch to say that you know potentially stanley has not got long left right. um right. and right. so i think it's it I'd, I'd hate to see that kind of um completely tangent again Sorry. yeah I, i'd hate no, to no, see no. that not kind of that swing come back when it's too late i think it'd be right. yes we have gone in history we've gone too far down there he is the sole creator of marvel comics sure. and that has naturally and rightfully angered a lot of fans and creators and you know someone like kirby was his his history his career his trajectory was irrevocably changed because of that and there's no getting around that but at the same time i do think that stanley had an importance and i do think that we wouldn't have got the marvel comics universe that we had today without him Um, yeah Mm. and there's little moments like this like where kirby is trying to kind of you know he's he's saying oh i'm astounded and i wrote the thing you know that's so kind of (laughs) that's so comical because that's obviously not true but he's you know he's saying it in this in the spirit of showmanship in this in the spirit of kind of grandeur Mm -hmm. that i definitely think is lee's influence you know and Mm -hmm. i think that Mm -hmm. um that is something that you don't see in other dc comics of the time you only see um in the in the merry marvel manner you know yeah so yeah yeah no that's a great point that's a great point and you know um to come back full circle to where we you know really started this this episode in this conversation um kirby is uh nothing if not um an astute observer and absorber of of what's brilliant around him you know yeah and 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 able to channel and repurpose things and Surely he got some things from Stan, 
you know, as much as yeah, we need yeah. to rectify the image of Stan as the, the creator and, and Kirby as just an artist. Um, Kirby is the creator, but he's also a creator who we should celebrate. And I love about him that he is um, uh, appropriating, um, repurposing and reproducing in this in his own sort of brilliant voice all the stuff that we're reading and um yeah i think i think that uh, that deserves certainly honor and he he I, I for one feel like he belongs in the annals of great artists so and absolutely. that's why that's why we're here that's why mother box <laughs> <laughs> that's why so, it exists yeah absolutely yeah, yeah yeah so as usual this has been fun next time join us uh for a, a deeper dive into mr miracle and we'll probably touch a little bit on the jimmy olsen uh matt thank you so much for for bringing your a-game today <laughs> I think, yeah, somewhere between B plus and an A. You know, I think uh, my cold didn't slow me down as much as I thought it was going to, but um, it still made me a little groggy. But uh, but no, thanks for um, thanks again to you as well for your um, your astute observations, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you yeah, about uh, about new gods and yeah, uh, and, about and Jack Kirby. Absolutely, and and thanks James for the the messages and all others of you who have tweeted or or um you know said hello uh keep them coming because we we want to hear what you're thinking as you read yeah. the stuff with us absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. brilliant well and, uh, until next time then we'll uh, we'll see you again soon <laughs> sign enough <laughs>